Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I'm coming to you today from my home near Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan, on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I have with me Erin Aikens, who wears many hats as a sustainability professional um, in Saskatoon. She is the sustainability coordinator uh, for the University of Saskatchewan and also sits on the City of Saskatoon's Environmental Advisory Committee as a citizen member. So welcome, Erin. Thanks for being here today. Great. Thank you. I'm excited to have a conversation today. Me as well. Me as well. So just to start us off, Erin, maybe just tell us a little bit more about who you are and and the work that you do and maybe a bit about the path that led you to where you are today. Great. Okay. So um, I'm born and raised here in Saskatoon. lived for a while in Alberta for about a decade and then returned back home to continue my work here. So my education, my career, and my volunteer work has really always focused around environment and sustainability. Um, So I guess if I were to kind of look back on my pathway and how I got here, um, I guess maybe just starting back at, you know, my studies, um, studied environmental biology and earth and atmospheric sciences at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. Um, And I guess maybe without giving away my age, I'll just say that this was before universities offered programming um, degrees or certificates in sustainability. Um, And I was more interested in the solutions to environmental challenges um, as opposed to the hard science behind them. But at the time, sustainability programs didn't necessarily exist. So I took um, environmental biology and earth and atmospheric sciences as sort of the closest approximation to what I thought I wanted to do. Um, so I think my my work has kind of evolved quite a bit since then. So I think by the time I graduated, I realized I was really, as I mentioned, kind of interested in the, the solutions, the social challenges, um, and how we approach them. So um, early in my career, I guess, one of the first programs I worked for um, really focused on uh, community engagement and promoting sustainable actions. Um, and I think... In this work, we did a lot of community outreach and education and learned a lot about the psychology of behavior change and sort of the limits of behavior change, which I've kind of incorporated in my work throughout the years, sort of understanding change and and how you can change communities and systems um, more broadly. Um, So I guess, yeah, after that kind of my first job at a university, then I I moved on and I worked with Alberta Environment. for uh, about five years um, in water policy. So um, I had the opportunity to support provincial and interprovincial work on on, uh, water quality and water quantity policy. So 
um, this time, I think in my career, I look back, I really learned a lot about um, the governance of resource management and policy processes. Um, also a lot about stakeholders um, and engaging stakeholders and, and how to bring people along in those processes, which again is something I think has been really valuable um, throughout my career um, and in many different ways in many different forms. So I think that that experience was very valuable. Um, and then in about 2013, um, kind of led me to where I am now more directly. Um, I moved back to Saskatoon and uh, I've been working at the University of Saskatchewan um, for about seven years now with the Office of Sustainability there. And um, in our work there, we kind of focus on modeling sustainability on campus through um, engagement and collaboration. So really an opportunity to apply all of the learnings from my past work experience on, um, you know, developing programs and policies and bringing stakeholders and influencing organizational and individual change um, using a variety of tools and methods. And so our work here um, has really focused on looking at how we um, reduce waste, uh, water and energy in sort of the daily operations of, of that campus. And, and so that includes everything from facilities operations or culinary services, grounds management, waste management, IT, parking and transportation, finance, really all of the kind of operations of an organization. Um, and then also while I've been here in Saskatoon, I've um, volunteered for the past five years now, I think it is, with the Saskatoon Environmental Advisory Committee. And so that's a committee made up of uh, volunteer citizens who um, review and provide advice to city council on um, environmental sustainability issues and policies as they're kind of coming forward and emerging. And so that's been another really good opportunity to kind of influence the direction of um, sustainability within our own community. And so I found that experience to be very valuable. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing all of that, Erin. It's it's interesting when you talked about your your choice of, of degree program in your undergrad and how, you know, there wasn't necessarily that some, you know, something that that fit perfectly. And I think that's sort of a a story that many people have in a lot of ways is that there's programs. I know myself, um, I went straight from high school into an environmental science program thinking I wanted to be a scientist and very quickly learned that I, I needed that human dimension, that, that social cultural dimension of, of, sci of sustainability and environment in the work that I do as well. And so, um, and so many folks I talk to, uh, you know, kind of have that similar experience where, you know, they're very, you know, they're passionate about climate change and, and want to make a difference, but they're not necessarily interested in being an atmospheric scientist per se, or a climate modeler, which is a whole other uh, world in itself. And thank goodness for those people, because I am definitely not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really uh, what's fascinating about sustainability is that it's truly like transdisciplinary or maybe even like just it, it defies all disciplines. Like we really require input and the knowledge of so many different types of peoples and types of cultures and types of bodies of knowledge that um, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. It doesn't really fit into any one of sort of our traditional um, disciplines in itself. It really is, um, there's 
opportunities for everyone from any kind of background or sector um, within any community to really um, contribute and bring unique perspectives because it is such a diverse and such a like complex topic and there's so many challenges that need so many different perspectives so um, yeah I think I think a lot of people are drawn into sustainability and then have that same um, realization that well okay but I'm not interested in being a climate scientist so what does that mean for me and I think there's so many opportunities there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing on this podcast is showcasing that, you know, there's a need for people to be passionate about the sustainability movement and climate change and environmental issues, regardless of what their professional or educational background is. You know, it's one of those things that um, ultimately is a part of all of our lives, regardless of what we do for a living um and so you know that interconnectedness or or as you said it sort of has no boundaries in terms of where it fits and i think um it's helpful for folks to hear different stories like that because i think you know being able to see yourself within the sustainability movement regardless of your background is kind of the only way we're gonna really move things forward is by everyone seeing that that they're a part of that change or a part of the need for change too so yeah absolutely and I think if I were to kind of provide some advice to anyone who's maybe sort of starting out or thinking they want to be involved in sustainability but don't quite know where to dive in I think like my first I think advice would just be don't feel like intimidated about like the the I guess the depth of sustainability it's a very humbling topic and um like really everybody's underqualified, like everyone, not a single person on earth or in any organization can say they've resolved climate change. Um, So I think it's sort of, it comes, approaching sustainability really comes from a humble place of that there is no expert, no one's done this before. And it's a willingness of um, being able to kind of navigate an unknown space. And um, it's not necessarily driven by experts all the time, but it is kind of by, necess- by necessity driven by people who are willing to try something new. And so, um, yeah, that willingness to try something new is is what makes you a valuable sustainability champion. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, Erin. I, I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners will as well. And I think about, you know, how over my career too, seeing these these complex topics as something that science is is going to solve to something that we all need to participate in. And um, it's really incredible seeing, you know, artists and designers and songwriters and hairdressers and (laughs) farmers and all of these different perspectives um, working towards a common goal. It's, It's despite, I guess, the complexity and challenges of these topics, it's really inspiring to see the level of diversity of of people coming together to to make that change. So anyways, it's just it's great and it's neat. And I hope I hope others listening kind of get that get that feeling too because it's um something we all need to be a part of. So yeah. Um yeah, no Erin, one of the things that we like to do on this podcast or have been trying to do, I guess I should say, um, is sort of use each episode um, as a way to create sort of a living definition of the term sustainability, because it is 
well, we've, you and I have both said this a, a number of times already is it is a complex topic for sure, but it's also a term that is used in a variety of different settings and arguably is a bit of an overused term these days. Um, so I'm wondering if you could share a bit of perspective on, you know, how you define the term sustainability and how you sort of incorporate that lens or that perspective of sustainability in your work. Sure. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, as you said, like there's lots of people kind of bring different perspectives to what sustainability means. And I think, um, you know, many of us will be familiar with kind of the, the official, I guess we'll say definition, the Brentland definition of sort of meeting the needs of today without compromising the needs tomorrow, um, which is a great starting place. Um, but as you can kind of, when you start looking at the, the challenges that are, we're trying to address this in the sustainability movement, um, you can see it's very broad. So, you know, on the environmental side, you might see everything from climate change or water scarcity or pollution or, or resource depletion. Um, you know, meanwhile, on the sort of social side, you'll see um, things like food security or poverty and inequality. And so, it can be really understand or difficult to understand for someone first coming to sustainability um, what what really it, it all means because all of this is such a such a big topic and um, I think for me it's helpful to understand all of those different issues um, really as symptoms of ecological overshoot. Um, and so I guess what I mean by that is sort of every aspect of our life, so our food, our water, our shelter, the materials that support our lifestyle, um, all these come from the environment around us and in the form of raw materials. And, and overshoot simply describes how human consumption is exceeding the capacity of our earth to provide and replenish those resources. So, um, you know, so we see things like climate change, it's a symptom of overshoot. It's, we see climate change and pollution because we're emitting um, too much um, CO2 and or, or other concentrated compounds at a rate that's faster than could be, you know, simulated within the air, the oceans and the soils, or, or likewise with, um, you know, scarcity in, in drinking water or um, collapses in fisheries, you know, it's because we're consuming fresh water at a rate and aquatic species at a rate that's faster than they're replenished. So there's all these different topics and all these different issues. And so when you dive into sustainability, you can be overwhelmed by the breadth of, of topics and challenges that are being addressed. But to me, I think it's helpful to just understand all of those challenges as simply symptoms of, of ecological overshoot. And so sustainability, I guess for me, is really making changes to kind of how we meet our needs today and for our communities, our economies and our society um, without overshooting the capacity of our environment. And, and it's our environment that provides the conditions that are necessary for our communities to thrive. Um, so for me, kind of taking that whole breadth of, of topics and issues and viewing them simply as symptoms of, of a, a greater challenge, which is uh, overshoot, that helps me sort of simplify that, that, um, that broad concept into sort of something uh, a little smaller that's easier to, to understand and to carry with um, in, into different conversations. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate what you said there at the end, like breaking things down and, and um, thinking about things in manageable chunks when it is such a complex topic is really, for sure, what has helped me over the years in 
doing my best not to get so overwhelmed. I know this summer when, you know, we were experiencing all these extremes um, in our in our weather and and in what was going on around the world. And then, you know, the IPCC uh, report was released or their newest report was released and reading through that. It's 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 very easy to get a quickly overwhelmed and then be sort of discouraged uh, in terms of what each of us can really do to make a difference. And I find when I break it down into things that, um, you know, I can participate in and be a part of in a way that is meaningful in my local environment and local communities is really the way to um, for sustainability to go from being this huge complex topic to something that's a little bit more tangible and and real almost so I found that's something that yeah that breakdown of of the of the challenge into things that are more bite-sized is is definitely valuable absolutely yeah and I think um like it is really like it is so broad as you say and those bite-sized pieces are just so much um kind of easier to handle and I also think um it's like being mindful of our own perspectives within these challenges is um, I think really important. Like I think, you know, each day we, you know, whether you're watching the you know TV or reading the news um, you know, like the tensions seem to be getting, um, you know, higher and higher. I mean, like if you just sort of look at the, you know, comment section on a CBC article on, on carbon tax um, you'll see that there's a lot of controversy there. Um, but I'm not really sure that that, um, that conflict is very productive. And so, um, yeah, like I think it's really important to kind of keep be mindful of our perspectives and and really step back and and view things from sort of like a different scale to avoid getting wrapped up in that that conflict. I think which can be pretty counterproductive. And so um, I think it's I mean I find it helpful. I'm thinking about kind of ecological overshoot as sort of that simplifying um, kind of concept. Is that you know, I, I tend to view it more as sort of a, um, you know, increasing climate change as more of a, a system failure. And we're all within that system. And so there's not a lot to be gained, um, you know, pointing fingers um, and, and talking about moral failures of individuals or organizations or even countries because it's a system um, and we're all within it. And, and I think we need to come at it from a pretty balanced perspective, Um um, and, and keep that big picture in mind to help keep us grounded. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's great, great advice. And I think about how much energy, um, physical, emotional, mental energy you can spend sort of going down the, the rabbit hole of, of the, as you said, sort of the, the tensions or the blaming or those types of things. And, and, you know, if you can take that energy, that same level of energy and redirect it into something that's a bit more, um, you know, focused on the changes that you can make or the positive difference that you can make, um, Again, it, you know, it takes more than one individual or group of individuals to change the world, but that is a much different energy and you're probably going to get a little bit more out of it than you would sort of chasing down that, that uh, rabbit hole of, of blame and frustration. And I know I've caught myself there a number of times and it's most definitely not very productive for where we need to go to actually make, make a change or make a difference. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the challenge we have to challenge ourselves each day. I think, you know, we get into sustainability because we're passionate but, and because we care and because we do want to see a better place. Um, but to be successful, I think we need to kind of keep our calm and, and approach these challenges from a pretty balanced perspective. And, um, you know, because that enables those conversations. Um, yeah. Yeah. As yeah. You say. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, one of the other things I was hoping you could share a bit about, Erin, and, and I, I'm sure there's things in your personal life too, is, um, and a lot of our listeners kind of, they end up having questions about this, you know, what are some tangible things that, that I can do um, to maybe live more sustainably or, or be a bigger part of the sustainability movement? And I'm wondering, um, you know, if you can share a little bit about things that you do, whether it's a part of work or outside of work, uh, that sort of keep you connected or, or allow you to be a bit more sustainable in your personal life. And then you've shared a bit of advice already with listeners, but just any recommendations you have for folks for kind of being more actively involved in this space? Sure. So I guess, um, I think, coming at sort of personal action from a sustainability lens is interesting because, um, yeah, you're sort of looking at this bigger picture and then asking from yourself, well, what can I do? And and um, so I think one thing that I like to keep in mind is that, you know, we've there, there's a lot of sustainability challenges moving forward, but that the future is very much unwritten still. Um, and so, and I also like to think about innovation and we often innovate from where we are. Um, so the first step in any direction will be starting from where you are. So we've got an unwritten future in front of us and we can innovate um, starting from where we are. So with that, I think um, when I think about sustainability and my own life, I think uh, really about reflecting on what's great about we, what we already have here today within our community um, and what parts are we going to bring forward to us into that sustainable future? Um, and which parts are we going to leave behind? Um, and, and so when I think about my own personal life, so I like to think about my own life and then my own community and what are the parts that I think we, I think we need to start from our current successes already. So I look around and it's very simple things like, you know, biking around my town, you know, that's something that um, we've got great active transportation infrastructure um, in the city of Saskatoon, and it's a great way. Um, it supports quality of life, and, and it's a great way to get around town. So those are simple things that we're already doing so well at um, and that we can embrace today and bring forward into a sustainable future. You know, likewise, simple things. You know, I've got um, a garden and an apple tree in my backyard, and these are very simple things, again, that improve my quality of life today, and I see them being part of a sustainable future um, tomorrow and and onwards. And there's also other parts looking at your own communities. I think about um, just the value of, um, I think, like communities and social connection and networks are important part of being resilient in the face of change in the future. So, you know, when I look at my own community, even just things like the public library and our community associations, I think are really valuable parts. Um, when I take stock of our community today and what we'd want to keep moving forward into a sustainable future, things like that are really important parts. So making use of them, supporting them and participating in my community, I think, um, and that can take, you know, any form. It can be volunteering with organizations, um, it can be taking yeah, part in clubs and other groups, but really building that um, kind of social resilience really just by building connections and um, taking advantage of what we already have. 
Um, so yeah, when I think about sustainability, I know for me, um, it's definitely something um, makes me think about being grateful for what we already have. Um, and then also constantly looking forward into the future and asking, um, you know, how can we improve on this? And um, certainly there's parts too about um, what we need to change. And so when you're looking at, um, you know, in your own life, whether it's the waste or the water or the energy, um, you know, there's definitely limitations about what's available to you and what you can do, but certainly always keeping an eye open for um, how you can use less um, water at home and in your life and in, and in the um, activities that you do, likewise with uh, energy or your greenhouse gas footprint. Now, there's a lot of limitations there around, I mean, I think one, the most obvious example is, you know, uh, we're here in, in Saskatchewan and, you know, we're our houses have, um, you know, furnaces and that run on natural gas. So you're pretty limited at the moment um, in terms of what you can do there. But so that's, a, you know, the question is, okay, so what does a sustainable future look like? And we need to start thinking about, um, you know, when alternative technologies um, become available, what does that transition look like? So, um, you know, being part of that uh, conversation within the community talking about what that transition will look like. Um, so yeah, those are, I mean, a couple of examples. Um, I think um, there's many different things that individuals have control of, and there's many things that are outside of their control. And that's where getting involved in organizations locally um, and the, you know, the dialogue and the conversation that's happening as a community um, in, can really help change that over the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that you brought up that that community connection or perspective. I, I recently, um, on one of our recent episodes, we had that same conversation around, you know, thinking, visioning or, or thinking out into the future of what does a sustainable future look like? Um, really, a lot of that leadership um, or movement is happening already at the community level, like at the local level. And so, as an individual, finding ways to be involved and be connected to that work, I find is, is really energizing. And I know um, even in, in my work, I, I work in, in renewable energy and energy efficiency and those types of things. And um, seeing tiny, you know, Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities taking a leadership role in, in what they are calling... <laughs> you know, relatively small projects, but they're doing, um, you know, they're doing some neat food security initiatives that focus on community gardening and strengthening capacity and food security, and then raising chickens. And then they're doing some renewable energy projects and they're working on just a whole host of different things that maybe if each of those things was sort of siloed and on their own, it might not seem like much, but if you look at the the total of all of these small projects that are being done at the community level, um, it's really inspiring. And so, you know, you think about Saskatoon or any of the communities that, that we're from, you know, connecting with like-minded folks who are working on those things and then finding ways to be involved and participate. I think um, it's easy to get overwhelmed if you're thinking about things on a national or international scale um, but bringing it back to that community level where you can really participate in and see those changes in a tangible way, I find is is really inspiring. And there always is is lots going on. And like you say, those things that we don't necessarily think about, right? Like a library. Okay, I, 
love libraries. Libraries are incredible. How can we use the library model for other things within sustainability? So maybe it's a tool library or maybe it's a renewable energy cooperative or, you know what I mean? Like these different concepts that um, are important to us and how do we continue to have that community focus in whatever the future is going to look like from a sustainability perspective. Yeah, I think that's such a great example about, yeah, drawing the connection between, yeah, a library sharing books and then a library sharing other um, other different types of tools to kind of reduce waste. So that's, yeah, fantastic observation. And, and um, yeah, and it kind of, it all brings me back to that um, idea that, um, you know, innovation or, or change will be led by, um, you know, those who are willing to try something new. It won't be necessarily experts or, or particular leaders, but it's those who are willing to try something new. And I loved all those examples that you just provided about people in communities trying, yeah, a whole variety of things, um, not knowing, you know, which ones are going to be successful in the long run and which parts we're going to take forward, but um, just a willingness to to try a whole number of things and, and kind of, um, you know, test out and, and try a, a number of solutions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned this a few times throughout, but it's not something that we're necessarily going to have a, well, not necessarily, we're definitely not going to have a single solution to these problems, right? Like they're just too complex for there to be one thing that's going to solve the problem. And so all of these little pieces of the web, if you will, are, are all a part of what's actually going to make some of those changes. So yeah, it's um, despite sometimes feeling overwhelmed, I think it's these kinds of conversations and, and seeing those active examples in communities that I find keeps me keeps me going despite <laughs> despite what's going on in the world so yeah um I just wanted just maybe as a final question Erin or, or a way to to leave us off um and I and I know you know you you wear many hats but um you know what are some things like within that space that you're excited about or you're you're looking forward to getting more involved in or or, or up or up and coming i guess um in your world that you're looking forward to oh that's a good question um hmm see well i think it's what's really exciting i think is like the momentum um that the momentum and the awareness that i think has been building um you know over the past i mean number of years but i think you know it was the early 2000s when i think sort of my journey in sustainability um sort of started and i think um with each year um it's building momentum and um Actually, even like within, I think the the realm of sustainability professionals. Um, in fact, I think that's a term now. You know, when I first started, sustainability professional was was not a term, but now it is. And so, um, we're just seeing so many um, different branching areas of of learning and, and specialization. Um, and I think we're also starting to. Um, sort of recognize how to support. I think, like I'm seeing in institutions sort of across North America. Um, providing alternative, I guess, training and, and education to support people in becoming uh, change makers and champions. So really looking, um, kind of acknowledging that it's it's not about any specific set of knowledge, but it's about supporting people and developing the skills 
to sort of challenge the status quo and, and to envision another way of living um, and to sort of understand and, and work with um, other people's norms and values to understand what is driving our communities and change. Um, and then being able to bring people together and work collaboratively. So what I'm seeing that I'm kind of excited about is really a formalization of um, these skills and these skill sets in what I would call the sustainability profession. I think, you know, so 10 years ago, I don't think anyone knew what sustainability professional was. And I think now um, it's slowly solidifying more through a variety of organizations. And we're starting to see um, a solid set of skills that are emerging um, and that are, are really supporting um, people who are getting into that area and being more successful in, in driving that change. So um, I think there's so much opportunity for, um, you know, everyone um, in terms of lifelong learning, in terms of, um, you know, advancing sustainability and adapting to change um, in those ways. So lots of exciting things happening, so much learning and so much sharing um, coming forward um, as the communities recognize the need to sort of find new ways. Awesome. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Even even in my time working in this space, even just seeing the, the changes within academic programming, for example, as we both chatted about earlier, but, you know, things being more collaborative and more connected and more um, interdisciplinary and all of those types of things that are really, really necessary if we're going to have, um, you know, long-term and impactful change when it comes to, you know, climate change and, and broader sustainability issues. So that's awesome. I'm also um, looking forward to those things. So thanks so much, Erin, for, for taking the time to be on the podcast with me today. It's been really great getting to know you and hearing a bit more about your perspectives on sustainability. So thank you. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great chatting. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.